Welcome to Inspire Others and the Guide to Awesomeness podcast, powered by Coldwell Banker Ronan Realty. Join us as we explore how to unleash your inner awesomeness with some of the most inspiring people in all industries. Welcome everyone back to another episode of the Guide to Awesomeness. I'm so happy today to have Daniel Lewis with me. Welcome, Daniel. Super, super happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. Awesome. I know you just uh, just got off a plane from Vancouver, and Vancouver is where I think I was last time I saw you, actually, at the Coldwell Banker uh, Canada Convention. You're out there a lot. I, I wish I could be. <laughs> I love it. Up Not there. as much as you'd like. Yeah, it is so no. nice. It is so nice. Well, I'm going to introduce you, Daniel, to everyone so they can get to know you a little bit more. Author, entrepreneur, and international speaker Daniel Lewis is the proud founder of the award-winning tea company Daniel's Chai Bar, formerly known as Tea by Daniel. His people-focused outlook on entrepreneurship and his experiential business tactics have garnered him and his company nationwide recognition and many awards and honors, such as the 2014 Young Entrepreneur of the Year, the 2016 Business Excellence Award, and the 2017 Top 40 Under 40 Entrepreneurs. And just recently, the 2022 Global Visual Victories Silver Medal in the Most Creative Pop-Up Store Design category. Congratulations, Daniel, on those successes. Thank you. You've also had success with your retail tea brand and even landed an opportunity to serve HRH King Charles III during his 2017 Royal Tour to Canada. Once again, thank you for being here. So happy to be here. Jeez, after hearing that, I just want to cry and just take me down memory lane. I love it. Right? <laughs> All the things. It's always yeah. nice. I love reading bios when people are, are with me. Uh, just to give you a reminder of, of how much you've done and how far you've come, because I don't think any of us uh, that like to drive so much, we don't look back so much. I know. It's true. It's true. I want to open up and I just like to get to know my guests. And so I want to ask you a few questions, maybe get to know a little bit about uh, what made you who you are. So as a child, we all had something crazy you wanted to be. As a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? When I understood, you know, that what ambition was, let's call it. I didn't know it was that word ambition, but I want to become, I wanted to become a rapper. I wanted to become like a world renowned rapper. The Drake of yesterday uh, was what I set out to be. Yeah. I thought I could do it. I could make songs, music that would be on the billboard charts. I mean, it makes sense, right? You obviously love to engage and entertain and Absolutely. interact with people. So I can see that. Mm -hmm. And what was your very first job? I did a paper route. So that was like the first time I earned was doing a paper route in the neighborhood. But when I actually went to get like an actual job, I walked into McDonald's. I wanted to work there so badly. And the funny thing is I got uh, the first interview and they brought me in for a second interview. And when I met that manager, went through some more details about me, found out that I was 14 and you had to be 15. And oh. I was like, no. And they're like, but you did really well. So come back next year. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. But I came back and uh, they hired me. So it was amazing. Amazing. Was my, yeah. First job. McDonald's is an amazing organization. One of my best friends uh, worked at McDonald's all through high school, worked her way up through management. And there was a stat even when we were in high school that, you know, if you were a manager at McDonald's, you could basically work anywhere. Absolutely. Because the, the amount of hard work it was. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. So I became a manager there, too. And it was so true. So, so true. Right. They A lot of great stuff that they teach you there. So anyone out there who doesn't have a job, 
who can get a job. Mickey D's. Great place to get a job. <laughs> now, I always find it curious to ask, um, did you like school? No, I did not like school. If you had to pick a favorite subject. If I had to pick a favorite subject, uh, drama class. That all makes sense. It, it, it makes sense, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm always curious to see, you know, you ask that question. Did you like school? Some people either loved it or I, I was the same. I liked certain things. I definitely uh, liked working when I got out of school much more than I yeah. liked school. So same, same. Excellent. And so you obviously exactly enjoyed that, enjoyed working. And so you transitioned from Tea by Daniel to Daniel's Chai Bar. And that really signified growth and evolution of your brand that you created. So what prompted this change and how did it align with your vision for the company's future? I think um, when I was operating as Tea by Daniel, uh, my wife and I built this company. We're in year 11, 12, let's call it. Our model is very similar to the tea shops of the day. So David's Tea, Teopia, Tivana, where you walk into the store and you got all these different flavors of tea. So lots of SKUs and, and products. And then COVID came and COVID just slapped that business model crazy. And basically to get tea from Japan or Kenya or uh, Sri Lanka just became this big challenge. So now having a lot of products was actually our detriment, you know, with Tea by Daniel. So basically COVID kind of floored that business model and we had to step back. And during the heat of COVID, it was about a two years where we kind of had to pause and and pivot. And I thought about supply chain. Actually, I learned a lot about supply chain and realized that if I'm going to build a scalable, sustainable business, I got to have more control on the supply chain of getting tea. And so having 30 products is not a scalable way to build right now. That's where I stepped back. And then when I was able to come out of COVID, I decided let's focus on the most important product, the one that we could sustain our entire business with alone, which was our, our famous chai. And that's why I decided, okay, I'm going to rebrand the company to Daniel's Chai Bar and build it, uh, you know, based around this product, chai, as opposed to just having all these flavors. So it was really just trying to scale back and create a simpler business model. And then I just envisioned that, imagine, just like people go to a bar and grab a drink, uh, like an alcohol drink, imagine they just came to a Daniel's Chai Bar to grab a chai, a hot latte or an iced chai. That's the, the vision that I had for it. What I like about it is you weren't afraid to change, right? Instead of going like, oh, this isn't working, but I'm going to hang on. Sometimes making a change is the best thing you can do. I love always revisiting branding and things are changing. I think things are changing more rapidly. COVID obviously kicked at, at that into high gear, right? Mm -hmm, we all learned so what true. change was. <laughs> yeah, fast. <laughs> fast, yes. And now I feel like we're still at that pace with change. Mm-hmm. So your success with Daniel's Chai Bar is truly impressive. And it even led, and I can't wait to hear about this, to you having the opportunity to serve His Majesty, now King Charles, during the royal tour to Canada. Was there one, uh, one memory that you want to share that was extra special about that? Absolutely. Yeah. So just, I mean, in context, it was while we were operating as Tea by Daniel that we got to, okay. to serve him, but we still served him the tea that Daniel's Chai Bar is built on. The memory that stands out with that experience was literally my wife and I, uh, Renata, we're, we're standing at this table. So we got like three weeks to train to meet His Royal Highness. Like it was like serious and like how to bow, not to extend our hand, all these things. Like it was so serious. 
So now the moment's here. We're standing at this table. My wife's holding the biscuits because they're like, you have to have biscuits with the tea. I'm pouring the tea and I see, you know, this big, big plane land. And, you know, about 10 minutes later, he's walking towards me. And there's an entourage of about 40 people, captains and all these captain hats. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is actually <laughs> happening. And I don't get nervous very easily, but I was sweating buckets. Like it was crazy. And he's coming and he's coming. Then he stops to talk to some soldiers. And I'm like, oh my God, calm down. And then he approached. And then as soon as he came right face to face and said, oh, what is this? Tell me about your tea. And he introduced himself. And then he extended his hand. So then I extended mine and we shook hands. And then all of a sudden, he was just, it was just a human to human connection. Like all of the fear, all of the anxiety and the anxiousness was gone and realized, oh my goodness, he's just a person. And all the entourage around him might cloud that, but he's just a friendly person, asked us about our business, asked us um, to try the tea, tried it, loved it. And he's like, this is absolutely brilliant. When he walked away after we had a great conversation, he sent one of his, uh, his top security guy back with the empty cup and said, where can he get more of this? And yeah, we shipped up some more a week later to the Buckingham Palace. And it was just a dream come true. Absolutely dream. I bet. I have a couple questions now. One is yeah. who trains you? <laughs> Do they send somebody? I don't know who they work for. We were operating through the Prince's Charities of Canada, which is Prince Charles's charity here in Canada. And it was some of the executives there and the team there that gave us the the briefings uh, on a couple phone calls and then when we met in person on what to do. So I think it was from the um, the charity team, Princess Charity. Okay, so they have probably have a specialist here on the ground who does that yeah. every trip because I mean yeah, that's a lot a of people to educate. I know, I yeah. know, right? And I didn't think about that. It's profound how this all comes together, and you, you know you always wonder how do these things actually work, but it is like. He only talks in pods, so he won't just address like a big crowd. He'll address a crowd of like five and then go to the next crowd of five, then the next crowd of five. Like it's just all organized, but it's it's so cool to see. So cool. Yeah. Major machine, right? Major yeah. machine. You focus on discovering the power of personality. And, and I find that very intriguing because I think personality is something everybody should know about themselves and it will help them with everybody else. So first, before I dive into that, what is your personality type? I've heard a lot of um, like those personality systems, like type A, type B, extrovert, introvert, the colors. But I don't really remember them, to be honest. I know that they, okay. when I do them, they do align, but I, I don't remember how they work. But if I was to just define my own personality, I'd say overall, I'm, I'm just a person that loves human connection. Like I just really love... Being out there, putting myself out there, meeting people. I think that's when my personality comes alive is when I'm meeting people. And that's why as a speaker, I love hitting the stage, sharing ideas, hearing people's feedback. That's when my personality comes alive. But at the same time, there's a part of me that just loves to keep to myself and do my own thing and be alone, especially when I'm in a flow of uh, you know workflow. So I believe personality changes in different atmospheres. We're all known by like a single one, but it just, it gradually changes throughout the day, throughout the year, throughout our lives. Overall, people would call me an extrovert. I'm like an extrovert introvert. Uh, love being alone, but I love to mingle as well. You know when to recharge your batteries. Yeah, that's good. exactly, exactly. 
I've always said, I, I think that there's that. And, you know, when we go back through the theme of like wanting to be a performer, and I think you are performing definitely at this point, just maybe in a different capacity than you thought when you were younger. There must be like a charge that you get from the audience, like an energy charge Absolutely. almost that would be hard to replace. You know, like you watch all these artists, whether, you know, or, or Tony Robbins. I always, when I watch Tony Robbins, I'm like, he is getting this incredible charge of energy back from that crowd that he must be so addicted to. Like he's going to speak until he yeah. somebody has to take him away <laughs> in a box because I think he gets as much out of it as the audience does. So that's that's super cool. And, um, and energy is something that uh, we talk about a lot on the podcast. Your focus on that and it's really helping people. So how do you encourage individuals and organizations to tap into their unique personalities to enhance their brand and overall business success? Yeah, it's, that's a great question. When I talk about the pop or the power of personality, there's usually four uh, tips that I offer for someone to discover their pop or the power of their personality. Number one, it starts inside. You have to do self-reflection. You have to ask those questions. Who are you? Who are you when this happens? Who are you when that happens? And just be honest with self, right? It's totally internal. You know, why does that make me mad? Why does that make me happy? And once you start to get those answers and you understand who you are and how you are, that's step one. Step two is you got to get outside yourself now and ask your trusted circle, your, your spouse, your friend, who am I? I always say that. Ask, ask your five friends. Who would you say I am? And you're probably going to see some consistent pattern there. You're the person who always has a melody in their heart or they're always singing. Like, whatever it is, hear what others say about you. And after that, step three is I always encourage people to try something they've never tried before. And the reason is you want to put your personality in a test that it's never been in to see how you respond. Because we don't know what we don't know about ourselves, right? How are you in a very tense situation? How are you in a social circle? If that's what you're not used to, you got to expose your personality and your person uh, to something new so that you can discover. And then lastly, which is my favorite, recapture. Recapture something from your childhood. Because in many cases, our childhood was the most purest form of our personality where it wasn't influenced by the pressures of life or people or even ourselves. We didn't even get in the way of ourselves. We just were who we were in the sandbox. Take something back from there and apply it to your life today. And that's why I write fun emails, right? If it's Wednesday, it's Willy Wonka Wednesday to you or terrific Thursday to you. It's just that wordplay, that fun, free-spirited way of um, turning boring emails uh, exciting. So... Yeah, those four things is what I would say help people bring out or discover their pop. That's brilliant. And I love that you write emails like that because let's face it, we all get so many emails and so many <laughs> people do not read their emails anymore. But I if it know, starts like that, you know you're reading the email. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know you're reading it. You've got to pop in so many ways nowadays to uh, to get it in front of people. And authenticity is definitely one of the best ways to do it. You've mentioned appreciating soft French fries. So soft French fries. Now I have a question. What is your preference for your actual favorite French fry business? That's probably one of the most creative questions I've ever heard. If I was to start a French fry business, first off, it's going to be those carnival-like French fries. That's what I always look for. Those big, fat, jam-packed with potato-y fries. 
They're kind of burnt and brown. And when you squeeze them, oh, as you can tell, I love French fries. But when you squeeze them, all of the potato comes, you know, rushing out. I love that. So that would be the style of French fries. And what I would envision is there would be a simplicity to my French fry business in that you get your fries. It's always the same fries. But maybe there would be like a cool experiential salt station where you could add your type of salt. So it could be Himalayan salt or uh, a salt spice or something like that. Kind of like what Menchie's did with yogurt. You go around, add your type of salt, and then maybe add uh, a topping if you want, like ketchup or something like that. And there would be some type of, again, this is my fry store. There would be some type of fun element like a carnival where maybe you throw something. I don't know. So it would be a fry experience if I was to start a fry business. Yeah. Ooh, now you got me thinking. Like I'm thinking. <laughs> oh, there you go. It yeah. sounds good to me. What do you What do you put on your French fries? Nothing, nothing, nothing. I just yeah. I I'll dip it in some ketchup sometimes, but I like the fry, the potato. I don't even add salt if it's a good brand or a good fry from whatever. It doesn't need anything. It's just good on its own. Soft French fries. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Everyone's going to be hungry now. We just boosted French fry sales. (laughs) (laughs) I got to start that business. Yeah, I can't wait. I'll come try them. So they say growth often comes with its share of challenges. So what was one unexpected obstacle that you faced while expanding your brand? And how did you adapt your strategies to overcome it? Very relevant question, because it's very recent. It's actually still on the table, still top of mind. Last year, 2022, we are coming out of COVID. And again, I decided to rebrand and launch Daniel's Chai Bar. And Daniel's Chai Bar was meant to be a physical retail store, like a chai bar that people could come in, grab a quick tea. The goal from day one was to build a franchisable model, scalable, franchisable, repeatable, duplicable model. And so I opened five stores, five pop-up stores across the GTA greater Toronto area last year alone in all the major malls, some of the major malls. So five locations, but my goal was just to find one that's profitable, one that works, that I could use as the model to sell franchises. And I found that one. And it was in a a very high traffic mall. And so through some mentorship I was getting at the time, the mentor told me, you know, let go of the underperforming stores, go all in on the high performing store, You don't need to be opening up stores. You need a model that you can sell and franchise. So I did that. I closed all of them, kept the one. Two weeks after that decision to go all in on the good store, the profitable store, out of the blue, I received a 30-day termination notice from the landlord while I still had my lease intact. And it was because a big brand wanted the space and signed a 10-year lease that so the landlord kicked us out because we were seen as temporary, only having a one-year lease in place. Unexpected, 40 days before Christmas, I already brought in inventory, new staff, ready to capitalize on the Christmas, and then I was without a store. And I'm still, to this day, dealing with the financial loss of that. That was a huge hit. And so it sucked. I had to throw the business online, missed out on the Christmas, missed out on the sales. So that was a punch in the face. Took me a couple months. I decided, okay, how could we turn this into something good? And I decided to come up with a new tea brand called Peco, which is going to be tea bags. 
and be similar to your Red Rose Lipton Tetley and go for grocery store, hospitality, hotel distribution. So I launched a Kickstarter for that uh, a month ago, two months ago, and that just got fully funded. So now I'm building Peco. We just had to really think, okay, we don't have a store. We don't have a physical presence. What do we have? Well, we have a good community of tea lovers. We just need to find a way to repackage, rebrand again and find a better, more sustainable distribution. And that's what we're doing. Awesome. Well, devastating. I'm sorry to hear that. And I'm sure it was devastating at the time. I can only imagine. Oh, yeah. Um, but good for you for rolling with it. Yeah, you got to roll with the punches. It's 13 years in business. You learn. That's it, right? That's It's just rolling with the yeah, punches. That's it. I'm interested to hear more about this. You're so close. I didn't realize you were so close. We might have mutual connections that could ha- be helpful. Before you go, I'd like to ask you three questions that I ask every guest on The Guide to Awesomeness. And so number one is, what is something you do or you use to ensure that you're always striving to work productively? So like a tool you use every day. My tool is not a tangible tool. The one that I use every day to stay motivated, to pull me out of the the slumps and the down days and to really get me going, it's not a physical, tangible tool. It's purpose. That is my grounding tool. Whenever I'm in any scenario in my business or in my personal life, I refocus on my purpose. Why? I just sit back, grab a tea, and ask myself, why? Why are you doing this, Dan? Why does this matter to you? Why is this important? And the answers that I get from answering my why is the tool that I need to get up and get going. Always. It has been for the last 13 plus years in whatever I've been doing because it's so much, my purpose is so much bigger than me and what I'm doing. So it's just a great way to, to give me some momentum and, and some uh, inspiration. So yeah, I, I don't have a physical one, but uh, it would be uh, my why, my purpose. Some people would argue that that is very physical because you actually rewire your brain exactly. by uh, True. doing those repetitive things. When you have to stop and ask yourself that question, is there when you is your why like a bit of a mantra or is every day, is it kind of, it flows as things change? Yeah, no, for business, it's always been the same. It's to impact people's life in a positive way. My life was impacted in a positive way. And out of that, I started in business and got into the world of business. And so because of that, that's been the driving purpose. It can, it could happen in so many delivery mechanisms. So it could be tea. It could be French fries. It could be speaking books, whatever I do. But the purpose is that everyday thing, the purpose of impacting people's lives in a positive way. I want to make sure that whoever I interact with, through my business life and through my life in general, their life is better because of that interaction. So that's always been the the purpose in the mantra. Well, you can't go wrong with that purpose. So mm-hmm. I that's think awesome. So. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us. Number two is what is one habit that has transformed your life? Reading. Reading books. Reading books was a game changer, is a game changer for me. It's not something I did when I was younger. And now I'm an author. So I've, I've grown such a love for books. But reading, and I've expedited it even more during the COVID time. Oh, my goodness. Like You're getting the knowledge of some of the brightest people, most experienced people, people who've gone through some of the biggest challenges and overcome them, all kinds of different walks of life and, and situations in life. 
and they're giving that knowledge to you. It's like you're sitting down with them, like you and I are talking right now. And there it is, just page by page, or in my case, I do a lot of driving, so audible. You're hearing from them, you're listening, and you get to take notes and take action on what you hear. Game changer. Uh, my income earning potential has dramatically increased. My ability to learn has increased. My awareness of the economy, of other people, of myself. Reading has been the greatest game changer in my life. It is. And I know even if you've gotten away from it, anybody listening who hasn't picked up a book in a while, this is your your sign. Pick up a book again because just because you haven't read in a while doesn't mean you can't start. And Daniel, what are you reading right now? Ooh, right now I'm listening to Jim Rohn. Um, so on Audible, uh, the book that I'm going through is the classic catalog of Jim Rohn, which is my favorite speaker. Oh my goodness. I could just listen to Jim Rohn all day. Love it. He's one of the greats. So that's excellent. Last question I have for you is that if you could write a chapter in the Guide to Awesomeness, what would the title be? You asked some very good questions. <laughs> the title. Thank you. Awesomeness, the discovery of self and others. Yeah. I love it. That's what it would be. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think that's what it would be. I might rework it, but yeah, for now, that's what it would be. <laughs> For now, we that's what we like. We just want that first take. And then if if we get to the book, we'll give you the chance to edit. We'll give Sounds you the chance good. to edit. So love it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Daniel. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon. And I know you'll have lots of new adventures to share. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. It's been phenomenal. Great questions. Loved it. Thanks. Thank you for joining me for another awesome episode. Whether you're already on the road to awesomeness or just starting out, be sure to join us next time for a dose of motivation, education, and entertainment.